I mean Ephesians, if you are not there already. Ephesians chapter 2. Let's open with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, this this morning, this evening, we do rejoice in the cross of Christ. We rejoice in that salvation that is ours, in his blood that covers our sin, his resurrection that gives us hope, his ascension at the right hand of the Father pleading for us. What hope there is for us. We rejoice in the cross and the empty tomb. We rejoice in Christ. Heavenly Father, this evening we rejoice with our new sister in Christ, Athena. We pray that you would continue to work in her life. And even as you do in each and every one of us to to mold her into your image. Heavenly Father, we pray that this evening as we look at this passage here in Ephesians 2 that our hearts would be stirred. Even as we remember who we were before Christ, and then as we rejoice in who we are now in Christ. May your name be lifted high. We pray all this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. You've probably never heard the name Leroy Smith. Leroy Smith made an impact on basketball that will probably never be forgotten. And it wasn't in the NBA. And it wasn't even in college. In fact, it was in high school. It was as a sophomore in high school in Wilmington, North Carolina, where the 6'7", Leroy Smith, made the sophomore varsity team, made the last sophomore spot on the varsity team over Michael Jordan. And it was because of that that fueled Michael Jordan the next year to go out and to learn and to grow. And he became one of the most famous, best basketball players ever. In fact, Michael Jordan never forgot Leroy Smith to the point where even in his Hall of Fame talk, as he's standing there being inducted into the Basketball Hall of Fame, Michael Jordan brought up 6-7, Leroy Smith. And he basically said, if it weren't for Leroy Smith, I wouldn't be here. You see, Michael Jordan was, was cut. There was one spot on the sophomore, for a sophomore on the varsity team. And it came down to Leroy Smith or Michael Jordan, and Leroy Smith got picked because he was taller. And Michael Jordan never forgot what it was like to be on the outside, to be left out, to miss out. In fact, he used that feeling to fuel him, to push him through the rest of his career to become one of the greatest ever. We turn our attention to Ephesians 2, verses 11 to 13. Paul here reminds these Gentile believers, these Ephesians, he reminds them of what it was to be left out. 
Don't forget that. That's the point of this passage. Do not forget from whence you came so that you can rejoice in where you are. Let it fuel you. Let it encourage you. Let it cause your heart to soar in passion for the gospel of Jesus Christ. In fact, that's my two points. Remember who you were and then rejoice in who you are. The first thing we see in verses 11 to 12 is Paul reminding, calling these believers to remember who you were. Verse 11 starts with the word, therefore. Last week, David uh, Chambers walked us through Ephesians 2, verses 1 to 10, that, that famous passage, rightfully so, where we were dead in our, our sins and our trespasses. We were separated from God without hope. And yet even though we were dead, Christ Jesus died for us. He made us alive together with Christ. He's prepared these good works for us, even as, as David talked about. We have been saved and then called to live a life in Christ. And so as you come to verse 11, therefore, in light of the grace that has saved you, in light of this call to good works, what this life that God has called you to now in Christ, with all of that in mind as you rejoice over that, remember, remember that you, once Gentiles in the flesh, remember that word there, once, You were at one time this, but you're not anymore, as we'll see and we'll rejoice in later in the passage. But you were once Gentiles in the flesh. Gentiles was really a Jewish term. And it was differentiating between Jews and basically non-Jews. If you were not a Jew, if you were not from the the background of, of Israel then you were a Gentile. So you were Gentiles in the flesh. Your nationality, you were not Jews. Remember who you were. In fact, not only were you Gentiles, but you who are called uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision made in the flesh by hands. In case you don't understand the idea of being a Gentile, of being not a Jew. Paul really here dives into really the the deep difference. It's, It's uncircumcision versus circumcision. Again, this is from a Jewish perspective, but but circumcision was a sign given to Abraham by God in Genesis 17. It was a sign. To the Jewish people of a, their particular, their unique relationship that, that Israel had with God. God had called them. He had set them apart. He had made a covenant with them. It's a reminder of that covenant. And really... Rather than rejoicing in the grace of God and looking to the nations with pity and with love, 
This idea of uncircumcision, this idea of Gentiles actually became to the Jews a term of disgust. They became prideful. God chose us. He did not choose you. Rather than leading them to rejoice in the grace of God, it led them to be prideful. To look on the nations with hate. In fact, you can almost see that in Paul's explanation here. You can almost hear the disgust in his, uh, in his words as he's saying this. You were the, uh, who are called uncircumcision by what is the circumcision? Made in the flesh by hands. He's very careful here to say it's in the flesh. It's a physical mark. It's not spiritual. And it's made by hands, by men, not by God. They took all this pride in this, and it's just a mark made by men. The reality is that Paul himself, even in Philippians 3, 5, confessed that before he came to Christ, he too thought this way. And the reality is that although the Jews were wrong in their attitude, that God really had, by his grace, chosen them. He had given them this sign Although they distorted it and viewed it wrongly. The reality is that God had called them. He had given them a promise. And a covenant. And you as Gentiles were outside of that. In fact, that's what he goes on to say. At that time. Going back to the beginning of verse 11. When you were Gentiles in the flesh, when you, when you were outside of Christ, you were without Christ. Without the Messiah is really the idea there. You didn't have that, that hope of a Messiah. You were aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers from the covenants of promise. You were aliens, you were strangers, you were completely foreign, you were outsiders. You had nothing to cling to, no claim of righteousness. You did not have the law to highlight your sin. You didn't have the, the temple and the sacrifices to turn your eyes forward to a Savior. You didn't have the promise of a coming Messiah. You were essentially deaf, dumb, and blind, wandering through this world without hope. In fact, Romans 9, 4 to 5, Paul makes the same point. Romans chapter 9. In fact, I'll start in verse 1 so you can see Paul's heart here. I tell the truth in Christ. I am not lying. My conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Spirit that I have great sorrow and continual grief in my heart. 
I could wish that I myself were accursed from Christ for my brothers, my countrymen, according to the flesh, who are Israelites, to whom pertain the adoption, the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law, the service of God, and the promises, of whom are the fathers and from whom, according to the flesh, Christ came, who is over all, the eternally blessed God. Amen. Paul there is making that same point. Although they they twisted this this idea of circumcision, uncircumcision, although it caused pride to rise up in their heart, there is something to this that God had called them. They were set apart. But you were strangers from the covenants of promise. These covenants of promise, you have the Abrahamic covenant, the Davidic covenant, the new covenant. Abrahamic covenant found in Genesis 12, verses 1 to 3. Genesis 15, 18, and Genesis 17, 1 to 19. This covenant that promises land and people and blessing. Then you have the Davidic covenant that God made with his people. Found in 2 Samuel 7, 10 to 16. That there would be someone from the line of David who will reign from the throne of David forever. The new covenant of Jeremiah 31, verses 31 to 40. We've studied that some in Hebrews. That God will, will do this. He will send his spirit. That he will change your heart from the inside out. You didn't have these promises. You didn't have this hope. These covenants weren't made with you. Before Christ, you had no promise of land or blessing, no promise of a king and a kingdom, no promise of a future or of salvation. All of these things came through and to Israel. In fact, that's what the passage goes on to say. You were without Christ or Messiah. You were aliens from the commonwealth of Israel. You were strangers from the covenants of promise. And therefore, you had no hope. You had no hope. Not only did you have no present hope, you had no avenue to hope. You were completely lost, completely hopeless. Even as we saw in Ephesians 2, verses 1 to 10, dead in your trespasses and sins. As David walked us through last week, the idea of being dead. He gave that illustration of, a, I think it was a raccoon that he found on the road and roadkill, and he brought it home and he tried to feed it, and it was doing nothing. Why? Because it was dead. It couldn't do anything. So Paul's saying here, not only were you dead, not only were you hopeless, you had no avenue to hope. You were completely separate, outside. You were without God in the world. There were many gods that the people 
and surrounded Israel that his Gentiles worshipped. They were without the true God. And really, as you work your way through this, these aren't all things done to Gentiles. It's not like they were victims. Even as you read through this, there's, there's, there's an idea kind of behind this that you're not innocent in this. In fact, we know from Romans 8, verses 18 to 26, even from the Old Testament, Psalm 19, that there's evidence of God all around. The reason that they were without God was not because God had not made himself visible. Yes, you were outside of the promises by birth, but you're without God by choice. Separated, outside, hopeless, with no avenue to hope. Remember that. Remember that feeling. Brothers and sisters, do you remember that? Do you remember when when you first came to Christ and yet before you came to Christ when the reality of your sin hits you? And how lonely and outside and separate and condemned you felt. It was in that moment that you had to cry out to God because it felt that at any moment you could slip into eternity. That is the feeling that the author of, he- uh, the author of Hebrews, <laughs> that, that Paul, who might be the author of Hebrews, <laughs> that is the feeling that, that Paul is trying to get through here. Don't you remember that? And don't forget it. Remember who you were so you can rejoice in who you are now. I remember when I first got my license, my dad sat down with me and and we talked about the fact that with freedom comes great responsibility. As you you, you get your license, as you get more freedom to go out, don't forget what it was like before that because I can take that license away. Don't forget how little freedom you had before. Remember that so that you'll be careful on the road. Remember that, so that you'll be mindful. Remember where you were, so you can rejoice in the freedom that you now have. And that's where Paul turns in verse 13. But now in Christ Jesus. Really, Ephesians 2 is an amazing chapter. You have these these two phrases in Ephesians 2, these two buts. You were dead in your trespasses, but God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us. You were separated from God outside of the the covenants of promise, hopeless with no avenue to hope. 
completely on the outside, in the darkness, but now in Christ Jesus. But now, what is it that has changed? Notice that it is not, it is not your conduct that has changed. He doesn't say, but now that you've cleaned yourself up. He doesn't say, but now that you've been circumcised. Not now that you've been a proselyte of Judaism. Not now that you've joined the commonwealth of Israel. He doesn't say that. He says, but now in Christ Jesus. But now in Christ Jesus. You who once were far off. In fact, that's kind of an understatement. Not only were you far off, you were so far out and helpless and outside and, and hopeless that you can't even imagine it. You were so far off. You were without God. And you've been brought near by the blood of Christ. You've been brought near. Is that not even the theme of Hebrews as we've been working our way through Hebrews? What hope is ours in Christ? We've been brought near by a high priest in Jesus Christ. We were hopeless with no avenue to hope, but in Christ, the blood of Jesus Christ is the avenue to the blessings in Jesus Christ. Galatians 3, verses 25 to 29 says this, But after faith has come, we are no longer under a tutor. For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. Pause there and note that you are all sons of God. He doesn't say the Jews are sons of God and the Gentiles are kind of like stepsons. You are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. As many of you. neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. But now in Christ Jesus. Remember where you came from. So you can rejoice in where you are. Brothers and sisters in Christ, you have a future. In Christ, you who are far off, you have promises to cling to. In Christ, you who are far off, you have a kingdom that cannot be shaken to look forward to. In Christ, you who are far off, you now have a people to belong to. In the church, in Jesus Christ. 
In Christ, you have been made new. It's not about the skin on your bones or the blood in your veins or any other mark on your body. It is all about Jesus Christ. So brothers and sisters, remember. Remember and rejoice. Remember what Christ has done for you and let it motivate your good works that you are called to in Ephesians 2.10. Let it fuel that growth in Christ. Let it energize your evangelism and your discipleship. Let it fill you with passion and with hope. Remember who you were. I don't know if you've ever heard someone say this, or, or likely, if your testimony is like this, you've said it yourself. I know that I've said it. Those of us who are saved at a young age, and we try to, to share our testimony, and we say, you know, I, I don't have an exciting testimony like others. Brothers and sisters, you were brought from death to life. You were brought from being outside, hopeless, without an avenue to hope, to being brought near by the blood of Jesus Christ. That is an amazing testimony of the grace of God. So don't hesitate to share it. Don't apologize for it. God has done an amazing work in you. And remember that. So that you can rejoice in who you are now. Remember from where you've come. So you can rejoice in who you are and where you're going in Christ. I left a little time here at the end because I want to do something that's a little weird and it might be awkward, but that's okay. We can do awkward things sometimes. I want us to take some time to share our testimonies. And I'm not going to have you come to the front. I would just say, find someone near you. Find a a group near you. And let's remember what God has done so that we can go from here energized, excited, passionate about what God is doing. And so we're going to take maybe five, ten minutes, split up into groups of just a few people, and share your testimony your testimony of salvation. And then we'll come back together about 6.50 and we'll close the service by singing What Grace is Mine. So let's split up and let's spend some time just remembering from where we've come. Share your testimony.